Welcome to Doctors of Tomorrow 56 podcast, a medical podcast for anyone ranging from middle school students to attending physicians, and for anyone interested in learning more about the medical field from all around the world. Welcome to this very exciting episode today. We have a facial plastic surgeon, so without further ado, we introduce Dr. Tripathy. So at what age did you know you wanted to pursue medicine? You know, I, um, I had thought about it, obviously, as a kid, but I don't think I got really fully interested in it until probably about yeah, 19, 18, 19, when I was in college and shadowing doctors and seeing what it was like. Um, I think we all have a idea in our head of what it's like to be a doctor, but don't really have a good grasp on what it really means until we kind of see it. So um, it wasn't fully in my head until I was in college. Yeah, I completely understand. So where did you go for undergrad and what was your major? Yeah, I went to UC Davis. So um, I'm from the, Cal- the San Francisco Bay Area. So UC Davis is about a couple of hours away. Um, and uh, I, my major was biochemistry. And that was just purely because I was interested in biology. And I figured I could do something in the sciences. Um, and I ended up, you know, finishing that. Um, and I, I liked it quite a bit. Um, but I didn't, uh, I didn't necessarily see myself doing anything long-term in actual sciences. So medicine was a nice way to transition from that. Gotcha. So where did you go from medical school? And could you maybe give something that really stood out to you? Yeah, I went, so I went to USC, which is in Los Angeles. Um, it's affiliated with the LA County Hospital, which I think was the most fabulous experience for a medical school. Um, the med school serves a very large indigent patient population in LA. Uh, there's a lot of really unique pathology and um, it's a training center. So as medical students, we got to do quite a bit and be very involved in the team, which is very different than being a medical student. I think at a small private hospital or a hospital where maybe they don't really need medical students. We were integral to the team. Um, so uh, I loved, I loved SC. Obviously I loved LA too, but um, being at that med school was phenomenal. Um, First years are obviously your clinical years and you're in the classroom and even even being there for those years was actually quite it was awesome too um they very much nurture you teach you how to be a good doctor and then you're you're thrown into the county hospital for two years and that was awesome <laughs> gotcha so what made you decide to pursue and to become a facial plastic surgeon so i um so facial plastic surgery is a fellowship uh, or it's a part of head and neck surgeries you know, was interested in the fact that you know most of my patients um, that you see in the hospital, even even patients who are sick, and as they get better, no matter who you are, there's always a component of either a cosmetic procedure or something to make people feel better, right? Um, you know, I, I treated a lot of cancer patients, and when you're doing cancer reconstruction, when the patients are better and they're done with their cancer and they're they're feeling good. There's always a part of them, I mean, a lot of patients, where now that they're better, they want to also feel younger, feel better about how they are. And so head and neck surgery, we do a lot of head and neck cancer, right? So we can show cancer on the face and on the neck and in the jaw. Um, and in doing that, sometimes you, you definitely change the way people look. And even despite these big surgeries that they went through, there was always this want to do something cosmetic. Um, and the other thing is, it's one of the few fields, I think, where patients are really truly excited to come see you in the office. Um, most patients are probably not like thrilled to go see their, I don't know, like their cardiologist or <laughs> if there's anything with cardiology, but I think um, 
you know, people want to come see the plastic surgeon. It's 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 fun. I mean, they're talking about something that maybe that's bothered them that they know that there's a solution for. Um, it's all over social media, so I think obviously there's some a lot of misinformation there, but uh, it's it's a lot of fun. Yeah, completely. I completely understand when you said that cancer patients, after they successfully survive in essence will have the the need basically to feel better i completely get that so yeah i completely understand how your expertise does change their lives in that aspect yeah exactly and i, I think it, it's um it's very rewarding i mean I, I think again a lot of people assume that what we do is just like push a beauty standard and ascribe to that and it's i mean it's it's nothing it's gonna be further from the truth yeah, completely. Okay, so would you say maybe some set of skills or particular characteristics might be needed in order to become a facial plastic surgeon? I think in order to become a physician in general, you really have to listen to your patients. Um, and I, I remember just hearing that so much through medical school and not really understanding why, because a lot of what patients are telling you can sometimes sound really irrelevant. Um, but in facial plastics, it's all about what is bothering the patient uh, and what it is that you have to offer is really just a set of options for them. So I think really sitting down and being able to, to gauge what they're saying is important. Also, I think you do have to be somewhat intuitive because there's a lot of patients that have unrealistic expectations or that are coming in for the wrong reasons. And you really have to tease that out of them. It's, it's not easy sometimes to tease that out of the patient. So that's, to me, pretty important. To be a surgeon and to do you know um, this kind of work, there's not there's not a whole lot of wiggle room. There's not a lot of room for error. So you really have to be detail oriented and and um, a perfectionist, right? I mean, we're all sort of in that. If you're in medicine, you're always going to kind of have higher standards for yourself. But um, in facial plastics, it's cosmetic. You're treating patients that don't have to have surgery, right? They could live their life and be fine. So when you're doing surgery on someone who um, doesn't need it, there's less room for error. Completely understand. So I know you said before that uh, facial plastic surgery isn't necessarily just to push beauty standards, but could you maybe go into maybe some other misconceptions that people might have? Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest misconception that people have is that injectables and surgery and that kind of thing looks fake, right? And and that's fair because there's a lot of celebrities and, and people walking around that actually look like they've had a procedure done. And most people coming, everyone coming in to see me does not want to look like they've had anything done. Um, but what I always point out to my patients is that if work is noticeable, that's that's bad work, right? You, you won't notice all the people that have great surgical results because that's the point, right? Um, someone who's had a very natural facelift or a natural rhinoplasty or have had a little bit of Botox or filler and it looks natural but good, you're not gonna focus on those things when you look at them. It's only the people that look you know, overdone that you're gonna see. So you may see that one overdone person but not notice the 50 other people behind them that look natural. So that's, I think, a, a huge misconception that if you're getting this procedure that you're gonna look fake. I think the other thing is that um, people that pursue these procedures are either unhappy with themselves or have low self-esteem or don't want to age. And again, that's not, that's for the furthest thing from the truth because the patients I see are all, for the most part, very realistic. They're 
wanting to just look like a little bit more refreshed version of themselves. They don't want to look like somebody else. They're not, you know, dwelling in, you know, they're not coming from a place of sorrow. They really just want to feel, feel the, or look the way they feel, right? I don't, most people that come in, if they're in their 50s or 60s, don't feel that way. They want to feel and look like they feel. And that's um, something we can offer them. And it, it really is not because they're having particularly low self-esteem or don't want to age. Well, that sounds like awesome work that you do since you're helping them and everything. I love it. I mean, honestly, I, um, I, every day I love my job. And to be quite honest, I, it doesn't feel like a job. I, I'm surprised that I get paid to do this kind of work because I love it. Well, I'm very happy for you. It's always awesome to hear when doctors talk about how they're passionate and love what they do. I always enjoy hearing it. So could you maybe elaborate on some key techniques or equipment that you may do, not necessarily on a day-to-day, but overall? Um, you mean like what, like devices I use? Or yeah, like, like anything that might come to mind. Yeah, I mean, my the nice thing about my job, I think, is that it's, it's, it's not monotonous. So... Um, I may use like a laser one day to do a little surfacing of the skin, and then I might do a little microneedling, um, some Botox and fillers, and then in the morning I may have a surgical procedure like a rhinoplasty or a facelift where the tools are actually quite simple um, and haven't changed a lot in many years. So the nice thing about um, my day is that it's broken up quite a bit and I do a lot of different things throughout the week and you know keeps things interesting. Um, and there's always new things coming out on the market. There's a there's a big desire for patients to have a lot less downtime and a lot more non-surgical treatments that can mimic something surgical. Um, and so um, as these things come out, it, it keeps the job kind of fresh and interesting. Awesome. So could you maybe go into a case or a certain patient that maybe left an impression on you? Yeah, I mean, um, I, uh, I did a... Let's see. Well, when I was in training, so again, I did head and neck surgery in the beginning. One of the surgeries we do is not, which is not a cosmetic procedure. It's called a thyroplasty. It's a procedure where we actually put an implant uh, next to somebody's vocal cord for somebody that has a paralyzed vocal cord. Uh, that's the procedure that got me interested in head and neck surgery to begin with, because that procedure is done awake. And so um, patients are going into the operating room um, awake and they are hoarse. And then at the end of the procedure, they have a much stronger voice and it's pretty cool to see. Um, so that's why it got me interested in surgery to start. I think a case that stood out for me um, in terms of a cosmetic procedure is a procedure I do called a lip lift and that's a surgery where I shorten the white part of the upper lip to give the mouth a more youthful look. Um, it looks more natural than filler, the scar hides really well and I think um, most people don't know about it. So I've done a lot of those, and I actually think that that's, a, that's an awesome procedure to do that people really like. Yeah, it sounds like, like you said, you do a lot of stuff with a bunch of other techniques and everything. So every day is a new day, basically. Yeah, I mean, I think that honestly, that's what keeps it super interesting. I, uh, one of the reasons why some of the other specialties weren't necessarily um appealing to me um not that i didn't like them but they weren't as appealing as just there was a lot of monotony um and so the nice part of doing something surgical is you're in the office some days you're in the hospital other days i don't work in the hospital but you know other surgical services do and then you're doing uh seeing patients in the office and doing procedures in the office and that that really really makes for a fun i always knew that 
I wanted something where there was a lot of variability, even though it's very subspecialized. There's still a lot of variability. Um, I liked that. Yeah, completely. So I know you said that this um, field is changing, but could you maybe explain or give your own thoughts on how facial plastic surgery might change in the next maybe 10 or more years? Yeah, I think, you know, I think there's there's always going to be a, uh, a need or desire to have natural results. And, um, but what people can't sacrifice sometimes is downtime. And, and a lot of people have difficulty grappling with the idea of surgery, right? I think surgery can sound scary and the idea of being asleep can be scary. So um, with that has come a lot of procedures that have minimized downtime and have um, created some very nice results in a non-surgical way. One, for example, that comes to mind is radio frequency microneedling, where we take small needles, put them in the skin, generate some heat, and that helps tighten and improve the contour of the skin um, and the and the, the jawline. Um, it's nice, and so um, I think that's where things will continue to head. But I do think there'll always be a place for surgery because at, at this point in time, there's just no replacement for surgery. We can't achieve the results we can with surgery using any other device, even though they're nice complements. They don't replace. Uh, they don't replace surgery. So um, I think the field is is constantly evolving to to appeal or to to you know get patients who want something non-surgical a, a way to do that. But I don't think it'll ever replace surgical procedures. Yeah, completely. Sounds fascinating. How well the anticipation of new things. Yeah, exactly. And we're you know reps are always coming in, you know, introducing their new product, and and it's it's nice that there's so many different um, devices on the market that can do that. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it is pretty awesome. Yeah, completely. So this is more of a question that I had, mm -hmm. but would you say that maybe, uh, like you said, popular culture might give like a, a sort of not correct view on this, but would you say that maybe celebrities do play a huge role into this? I, yeah, I do. And I think, um, social media has basically made it to the point where one person can compare themselves to thousands of people in, the, in a matter of seconds, right? And that wasn't yeah. something that we could ever do before. Usually you compared yourself, uh, I mean, when I was younger, to my friends and the people immediately around me, right? Not to every person out there. And now it's gotten to the point where um, you're comparing yourself to images that don't actually exist or aren't, aren't you know, can't exist in nature. Um, and so that can definitely create a, a completely, not just a westernized idea of beauty, but an unrealistic idea of, of beauty. And so I think, you know, as I learn more about this and see more about this, I actually do talk to my patients quite a bit about what their motivation is to pursue something like this, to pursue a surgery, um, because of the impact of, you know, media and, and, and Photoshopping and that kind of stuff. Um, but what we can't forget, in my opinion, is that um, humans are naturally um, interested and, and engrossed in wanting to look their best. I mean, we are visual creatures. Um, there's a reason why there are certain features on people that are attractive and appealing to another person, um, because that's how humans evolved, right? Um, makeup has been around for thousands of years and there's reason why it's it's persisted so um i think that's also important to remember that there's nothing wrong in my mind with 
wanting to look your best. But I think we have to be very, very keenly aware of how um, our perceptions are being altered. And also obviously the idea of the Western standard of beauty. I'm, I'm, um, I'm learning more and more about how that's imprinted in our minds that a straight upturned nose is considered beautiful. Right. And that's not at all how, you know, a large percentage of the world looks. Um, and so I think that's, that's another thing that is important for us to kind of think about is how we don't even realize that our, we're biased when we think about beauty. Yeah, completely. It sounds fascinating how you explained everything. So thank you for sharing that. So I know that you're popular on TikTok and everything. So how would you explain, I mean, how would you describe that goes into your day-to-day as a doctor? Do you feel that you basically promote the interest and curiosity of what facial plastic surgery is, in fact, or anything like that? I started TikTok more of to kind of get rid of some disinformation. That was my primary goal because there's so much misinformation out there. And it just got to the point where I, I felt like I had some stuff to share that people could benefit from. And so really that's my ultimate goal with um, social media was to just give people some general advice, not specific advice about what's out there and what the truth is. And just like anything, you know, there's platforms for everybody about um, misinformation and that kind of thing. So that was my ultimate goal. Now, some of the stuff that some of the random videos I, I made, just like everybody on TikTok kind of gain traction. And then a lot of people see them and either have, positive or negative (laughs) things about them but um and i think it's honestly kind of fun so as i've as it's sort of grown i've i've realized how impactful it can be and so i've definitely taken that more into consideration now when i make videos because before i just didn't think anybody was really paying attention um but now there are some people that do and i think it's important to um to remember like what my ultimate goal was with these videos again which is to you know, give general information, not specific medical advice, but, you know, how things can be done, what's the truth, um, and what the field is all about. Like I said, I mean, I still get questions like, why are you perpetuating a unrealistic standard of beauty? And honestly, I think it's a good question. Um, and I did a video recently about whether I'm part of the problem or part of the solution. And because again, it's, um, it's a double-edged sword, what I do. But, um, I think it's important to think about, but I also think it's important to get the truth because there's a lot of just garbage out there. Yeah, completely. Find the very noble how you do everything to inform your viewers and everything. So that's awesome. Find my TikToks noble. (laughs) (laughs) So I know you're very busy. So the last question is, what advice would you personally give to someone that might be aspiring to become a facial plastic surgeon like yourself? You know, at every point during my training, there's always roadblocks. And most of those roadblocks either come from yourself, uh, doubting yourself, or from other somebody else either jealous of you or doubting you. And I think it's so important, difficult, but very important that we have to tune out all that stuff and think about what our ultimate goal is. If your ultimate goal is, and you have, and you know, and you, you have an idea of what what that person does, and obviously I recommend people shadow and, and get a feel for what we do. Um, but if your ultimate goal is to do that profession, then you have to find every single means by which to get to that goal. Um, and if that means that you, as you learn more about it, you don't like it anymore, then that's fine. You, you should switch. But your goal of going in to this profession is always something you have to keep in mind and and 
it's it's a long road, but you're gonna be thirty something anyway. So you may as well be thirty something doing what you love. Because um, I went through four years of med school, four years of residency, or four years of uh, five years of residency, a year of, of um, subspecialty training, all before, all after college, right? And it's a long road. And always people would say, well, oh, you're gonna be you know thirty something before you practice. But um, to me, I'm in such a better position than a lot of other people I know that are unhappy in their job that maybe started working 10 years ago. So, um, because I love what I do. And so I think if you truly are passionate about something, it sounds so cliche, uh, you just kind of really stick to it because um, you never want to live with a regret that you couldn't get to the point that you wanted to because somebody told you you couldn't. And I heard that a lot. I mean, I really did. And there's always roadblocks. It's, it's almost never smooth sailing to get to um, your ultimate goal when it's in medicine because there are, there's it's exhausting um, but uh, really you have to just stick it out because I honestly I am so happy with what I do every single day I don't ever wake up dreading going to work um, I dreaded lots of days in residency um, but and I and I worried <laughs> that that I was gonna you know that I was choosing the wrong field if I hated right or if I if I didn't like a day of residency but um, I love my job, and honestly, I I don't I don't get paid the most that you know I don't get paid a ton. I'm happy with I'm happy with building and, and you know and that kind of thing. But there's lots of people that make more than me, and so um, if you're doing it just for the money, clearly that's obviously everybody tells you that's not not the right way to do it. You're not going to be happy. But um, I I'm I'm very happy with where this has taken me and where it's going. And so I think if you're if you're again to get back to your question, if you're if you're interested in it you really just have to stick to it well sounds like solid advice thank you for sharing that absolutely so as i said that was the last question and i know you're very busy so thank you very much dr tripathy for taking the time out of your very busy schedule in order to give information basically to the future generation of doctors so thank you very much definitely and if anybody has questions or concerns um you know you can give my contact contact info out or they can message me on instagram or however you guys message these days yeah for sure thank you very much okay thanks so much take care thanks for including me yeah bye bye, bye.